0: Hello, welcome to the techpros.io Enterprise Thought Leadership Podcast, where leaders from business and technology functions come together to share solutions to common challenges in their sector. I'm Tim Bond, founder of techpros.io and your host. In today's episode, we discuss aligning sales and marketing for success. More specifically, how to reposition marketing as a peer-to-peer strategic partner of sales. Traditionally, sales and marketing have operated in isolation, sales teams often perceive marketing as a tactical resource for creating content on demand and responsible for delivering sales leads, which they often complain are unqualified and a waste of time. Consequently, marketing feels undervalued and overlooked. This disconnect results in minimal day-to-day engagement, hindering effective collaboration and communication. In this episode, we hear from three technology marketing leaders who offer practical strategies to bridge the gap and foster a stronger partnership between these two functions. To discuss these solutions, I spoke with Sophie Gray, founder of The Marketing Bee, a marketing consultancy she founded in 2020, following 23 years marketing experience in the technology sector. The Marketing Bee offers, as Sophie puts it, IT marketing expertise as a service, helping tech companies tackle a wide range of marketing challenges and plug skills gaps. Sophie, welcome. Hi, thank you. Talk to us a little bit more about perhaps how you've seen uh over the last 20 years the sales and, and marketing teams uh, often find each other in conflict
1: yes so it's an interesting one and it's an issue that keeps coming up and doesn't seem to go away if anything it's just getting more and more complicated in some ways we run a series of events called the channel meetup um, and they are kind of in person. Uh, workshop led events that we run three times a year and the whole theme of last year's event was sales and marketing alignment so we had lots of different discussions going on about sales and marketing alignment and this one in particular about how marketing can effectively market themselves within an organization to rebrand marketing within a very sales heavy culture was something that that came up and we had a lot of conversation about Um, And we did some research of the attendees on the day, and 63% of people, before coming to the event, 63% of people said that improving alignment between sales and marketing was a key priority for them. So it's clearly something that needs to be addressed by a lot of people, but it's something that is, because it's more of an internal challenge, possibly struggles to get prioritized over external sales and marketing functions.
0: I definitely think it's got better. Over the last few years. Um, some of the research we did and thought leadership publications that we produced five years ago, I remember there being a lot more of a siloed kind of um, problem and, and, and mindset. I do think with the evolution of, of a kind of and almost the conversion of marketing and sales, we are seeing better collaboration. So it's very interesting to hear that it's you know still a, a really massive problem um, you know, so recently in your in your events. Michael Baer is a fractional CMO with 30 years marketing experience working across the full organizational spectrum from startup to enterprise. His career has spanned several industries, including healthcare, market research, and advertising.
2: I see four, four things, four buckets of things to do. Maybe it's a four step, but it's not sequential. So, four, four buckets of things to do. One is some executive corporate stuff which is some sort of executive level discussion uh, to ensure the CMO and the CRO or whoever runs, you know, are equals that this is viewed as a partnership, that somehow there's some sort of demonstration. Well, first agreement and then demonstration that we're going to true these things up and align these, these teams and these cultures. The second is just strategy stuff. And this is part of sort of the third, which is process stuff. I think strategy stuff is like these two teams need to, align, will develop and align around customer personas and goals and pain points and journey work. Like, let's make sure there's a strategic work done, which also helps drive strategic and team alignment. And then the third is process stuff. Like, there should be an implemented plan. Like, there's an annual plan. We align around objectives for these things. We talk about uh, how, how we're going to measure things. We, You know, we, we, we build a process to ensure that this is not just a tactical call you up on a Tuesday and I need something by the end of the day. And then the fourth would be culture stuff, like have them do stuff together, do things, go places, uh, have a party, um, uh, speak the same language, ensure we talk about each other in ways that what this does and that does. So there's just a, a, you know, more of a cultural one-to-one way of working together.
0: You made this point around the importance of um, putting in place a strategic plan between the the, mar- the the top of the marketing tree and the top of the, the sales tree, as in the CMO and the, C- the, 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 the chief revenue officer. Can you just share in a bit of, sort of a bit more light what what would sort of be in that plan exactly?
2: You know, I I think there's um, there's identifying and def- defining what it looks like, but then there's actually the mirroring and, and, um, uh, you know, dramatizing or demonstrating that to the rest of the organization. Yeah. So, you know, for, it, it starts with a, 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 an executive level, see really with the CEO level, um, partnership agreement between marketing and sales that, um, you know, you, it's because, because at the end of the day, it is always about the people and the teams themselves. But in a, in a company, culture really does come top down, or at least it needs to be, you know, demonstrated top down. And so you you know you need to have at the executive levels, you know, at on the ELT, say the executive leadership team, um, there has to be this clarity that. Um, y- you know these are co-equals that they work together. That they are, as you know, as as I've said to you, two sides of the same coin versus two yeah. very different things, or one in the service of the other. Um, and so, you know, once this this happens, uh, then it needs to be demonstrated to the rest of the company. So, what does that look like? You know, I think first off, um, you know, you you have to you know make it clear there is a CMO or there's a head of marketing, and that person doesn't report to the head of sales. Um, you have to demonstrate it by rewarding behaviors beyond just the closing of a deal. Yeah. Um, you know, I've worked at companies where, you know, obviously a a, a sale is <laughs> the end goal of what, you, you know, of a, a, a longer process. And while it is bringing in revenue for the company, you know, there are lots of touches and and, and activities and behaviors that happen prior to the inking of the of the contract um, that need to be at least celebrated to some extent, as much as that heroic last touch attribution of the seller, um, and you know, so I think a company needs to acknowledge those actions and even begin to somehow demonstrably reward them or, or uh, highlight them. Which is, you know, again, I think the elevation of of marketing to the chief marketing officer and having a seat at the table is is one of those. Good mm-hmm. ways it, it it demonstrates that. I mean, I, I will tell you, I was I was the first CMO of a of, of like a two hundred million dollar uh, healthcare marketing services media company, and uh, I'm pretty sure it was the first time marketing was on the E L T and the, just the just the daily stand up meetings and the weekly, uh, you know, the weekly meetings and the quarterly strategy sessions and the annual planning. and me being in there, I think. Uh, you know, obviously, put marketing marketing in a different light, perceptual light, to the rest of the leadership team. But then they, you know, clearly translated that to their teams and and just gave marketing. You know, it did some of that work, that initial work, as you're saying, of elevating or changing the perception, or at least elevating the the partnership. Marketing should have with sales. I, I think the first work of demonstrating to the entire organization from the top down. Uh, you know the you know the value of marketing and the you know the the collaboration uh, the collaborative partnership of sales and marketing but it is ultimately then the day-to-day work of those two teams working together and that's why you know what i said when we talked about what those four, you know four four step program of of doing it the second is uh, strategic work, to, you know, which is both together and separate, but strategic work that will align those teams. And it aligns right. the teams uh, it, both, you know, because they're, a lot of this work w- will be done together. So there's alignment. But then secondarily, once some of this work is set, you know, as foundational, and when I say the work, I mean... You know, you know, annual strategic planning. Um, uh, You know, well, really more begins with understanding of you know customers and consumers and persona work and uh, you know paths to purchase and customer journey work. Once those things are 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 aligned and core objectives and pain points and what are the needs of of our customers, um, then uh, there's alignment around hey, what are we actually doing on a day to day basis? Because at the end of the day. Sales and marketing are doing the same thing. They right. they they begin with an understanding of your customer. Yes. Uh, an an, am- an amount of empathy, meaning, I hear you, I feel you, and then an, a a, a, a uh, concerted uh, effort to engage in ways in storytelling and man to man, one to one. Uh, hmm. uh, conversation that that demonstrates you you understand and and have solutions for them so um you know when you align strategic pillars of customer understanding and insights and how they go to market and make the decisions and choices they they make when they're in market uh there's a lot more alignment uh between the
0: two between the two teams right Right. so what i'm hearing is really just about making sure first of all that the plan is in place, communicated. Everyone understands everyone else's role. But then, actively get the teams working together on a strategic plan. Get them into workshops. Get them get them working against the same um, key objectives and reporting in 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 a joint, effectively in a joint team. And then, I guess the kind of the mutual respect between the the human beings involved will evolve. And people are going to be too embarrassed to be asking cheeky things to people that they've now got respect for because they can see their talents and the value that they're adding beyond being a res- resource for for, for for sales.
2: Exactly. No, 100%. I think it's it's the human bit about doing things together and learning to respect each other. But then it's also the fact that what you're hearing marketers talk about are, oh, they're talking about my customer, and they're understanding them, and they're demonstrating uh, insight that will help me when I go talk to them or, uh, you know, create tools and sales enablement. I mean, I think just in the simple process of doing this work, lots Mm -hmm. of good ideas that are on strategy will come up between them. Uh, Again, that demonstrates that they are speaking the same language, And and they add value to each other.
0: Yes, definitely. Brilliant. Okay. I just want to bring up one other topic that you you brought in, and it's it's quite a funny one, right? It's around, you reference uh, Gary Vee and uh, his comments around firing toxic salespeople um, to avoid disrupting the culture of the organization, right? And I guess my question is to you, is, is do you know of any organization that's ever fired their top <laughs> a top salesperson, or is, or is this sort of Gary V being Gary V?
2: It's, it's definitely Gary V being Gary V. <laughs> but in a in a, in, a, in a, you know, I think we all know he's right. Um, you know, I've worked at some places. Uh, you know, one in particular I can think of where, uh, you know, a real sa- sales leader was just churning through people on on, uh, it happened to be a guy, his team, uh, you know, anybody on the marketing team that's, you know, worked with that group would leave the company, would, uh, and, the you know, the CEO on down all knew it. And they would talk about, yeah, this person's, uh, you know, they're on, you know, they're on, you know, a probation or whatever. But every quarter that person was winning the sales award, winning the, uh, you know, incentive compensation awards. They were winning, you know, you know, cultural awards, you know, so you send a very different message to the, or that's that's basically what Gary is saying. He's saying, yes. um, you know, it, it, and I've said the same, you get the behaviors you incentivize. And if you incentivize bad behaviors, you're going to have a bad cultural, you know, you're yes. going to have bad cultural dynamics, but if you incentivize the right ones, uh, you know, you, you begin to see those more. That's why I was saying at the beginning, um if from the top down you say hey look we're going to be a marketing you know marketing led or a you know sales and marketing joint led company and here's how we're going to we're literally going to demonstrate that and then we're going to begin to incentivize that you know either it being in the way we talk about you in your personnel evaluation um or or if it's literally you know at the end of the day monetary you know we give you know monthly mm-hmm. uh stipends or you know awards that have compensation you'll start to see some different behaviors you know come out and so you know i think will will, do companies do that no not as much as they should but you know it's it's said you hire you know you, you fire for culture you know, you don't hire for it. Uh, you know, hiring is always a bit of a crapshoot, and you do your be- the best you can. But you know, you kind of close your eyes and hope. But when you make a fire, you're doing it for a real reason, and it can it can very much be a culture driver because people see when you you know you, when you let somebody go who's who's literally making the company you know less desirable to those you know who currently work there.
0: Michael offered some interesting uh, thoughts around so strategy and planning, top-down culture, obviously, the importance of aligning the two functions.
1: I like Michael's solution because it was very structured, and I think key to solving this is having some kind of structure, so we put it into those four buckets, didn't he? Having some executive level activity, having some strategy activity, having a process, and then the kind of doing, doing stuff together angle. Um, which kind of really resonated with me. Um, I think to kind of take each of those in turn, um, you know, the executive executive level discussions, I think are really, really important, but I think it's important as well, not to underestimate the power of the line manager. So, you know, it's very easy to say it's a top-down approach and CEO needs to drive the discussions. And this is something that, that I think Chris went on to talk about as well. Um, um, but I think it's also that something that needs to be just inherent in company culture, which is why I think his point about doing things together and building relationships and going out and doing things is is a is, is a really big point as well. Because I think at the end of the day, you know, we're people, and people work with people. So the more you can do to connect people and have people learn about each other's jobs and challenges, the better, really. Um, You know, I think that's one of the reasons why it is getting a little bit better, because as marketing has got more digitized over the last, you know, 10, 15 years, um, we're all subjected to more marketing as individuals and consumers than we ever have been. So there's just a a better kind of inherent knowledge of what marketing is than there would have been in the old kind of direct mail and, you know, and just physical event type of of activity. Um, So I think that's got a big part to play in it as well.
0: Interesting. So, um, I mean, the, the whole people—people um, so people change management, the, the people issues—it was a sort of common common theme and uh, across across everyone really at the event, if I remember. So, um, the last point actually that, that Michael made um, was this um, uh, this sort of quote from Gary V around um, firing your best salesperson uh, and solve your solve your cultural issues. Have you have you ever come across? uh this before or do you have any thoughts on um uh y- y- you know the sort of um the alpha salesperson and perhaps any negative effects they might have on the overall sales and marketing department
1: i think it's something that's really common in it and particularly common in it channels i've seen it a lot um, I've seen sales leaders just decimate the culture of an organization because a new sales leader has come in with a very different, uh, more aggressive culture than the company's been used to, and they've got good results quickly, but then the culture has been decimated and the sales results suffer as a, as a result of that. Um, have I seen somebody fire a really good salesperson because they're damaging the culture? No, I don't think I have off memory no
0: Chris Collier is a B2B marketing leader with over 15 years experience. He has been through three successful technology exits and is currently Director of marketing at Cybermax. Chris has deep experience in ABM, SEO, and SEM. If it
3: comes down to culture um, that's that's typically been a lot of the challenges that we've had uh, And why I say that is that the root of all evil is sales is telling marketing, we're not bringing enough qualified leads. Marketing is telling sales, you're not closing these leads. These are qualified leads. And so what we found is that definitely that sales enablement and sales alignment between marketing and sales has been extremely crucial to remove a lot of what I call um, the toxic cancer um, cultural aspects that really can can destroy a company as a whole. And so getting those SLAs in place, getting alignments, really making sure that sales knows that we're all on the same team. And there's a psychological portion to this too, is getting everybody on board the same bus. And that can be difficult, especially if you don't have everybody aligned from a cultural standpoint. If they are... If everybody wants, if everybody gets on the bus and they can't make a decision where they're going, then the bus is gonna either drive around aimlessly, which kind of sounds what that company is going through, or they'll just sit there, which is about as bad as just driving around aimlessly. Um, <laughs> at least less money, at least less money will be spent. What, what, how I would do it, do this would be to. It, it comes down from a leadership standpoint, getting all leaders aligned and saying, listen, marketing can't do the job unless things are planned ahead. There's some kind of calendar, editorial calendar, um, in order to develop programs and campaigns to support the sales team
0: what advice can you give to organizations to, um, celebrate, uh, as a, as a joint sales and marketing team, obviously remotely. And what would those, how, how would those celebrations work being mindful that we can't always get everyone together in the same room?
3: Right. I mean, it, it that has probably been the one thing I do miss about working remotely when COVID hit, there was so much uncertainty about moving home and how it was going to work out. But I, I ultimately, there's so many articles that are coming out saying that people are not as productive or, um, there's not the camaraderie. I'm seeing the opposite. People are more, more productive. People are more, uh, there's more camaraderie coming around. And I think every, it's because everybody's more relaxed in their home and they're just less stressed of having to drive commute back and right. forth, et cetera, et cetera. But the, cele- the celebrations, the lack of celebrations, the mini celebrations, like, hey, everybody, we're going to huddle down. We're going to pop a bottle of champagne real quick or, you know what, I'm bringing in donuts. Those don't exist anymore. And so one thing that we've done, we send Uber Eats to everybody. Hey, everybody, we're, we're having a party at this time. You don't... I go... Noon in New York is going to be almost, you know, pretty much breakfast in the West Coast. So you don't have to use your Uber Eats at that time, but it is available all day. So, you know, treat yourself and get together and be like, listen, here here are the wins. And here are the people that made this happen and the teams that made this happen. And that's gone a, lot, a long way as an acknowledgement because I don't even know if that was really happening pre-COVID of just, at least in, in the organizations I've been affiliated with is identifying enough those wins. And so I, what I've found is post COVID and everybody working from home is those celebrations are happening more often, but it's more of just the recognition it doesn't have to be a party. We get to get, we, we yeah. get everyone together and everybody drinks a bunch of alcohol, yeah. eats a bunch of food. It's just a quick, Hey, here's the win. And Use an Uber Eats card or an Amazon gift card or something just to kind of acknowledge like you went above and beyond.
0: Over the last few years, it's become really apparent that sales and marketing are beginning to collaborate a lot more than they were previously due to the changes of the, of the buyer buying process and, and, and the, the customer engagement process, et cetera. So kind of what's on my mind is, and it's sort of in line with this joint celebrations, is there not an argument for saying that actually yeah. uh, marketing... Ultimately, what the organization is trying to do is is generate generate revenue. and whilst whilst marketing can be held responsible for the top of the funnel kPIs, maybe marketing should also receive some form of bonus or commission when when the sales come in. And then that really is a a, a way of ensuring that the two teams are commercially fully commercially aligned.
3: You have really hit the nail on the head, and that is something that I, have always preached for it my last company that was something that we we never got always talked about it I alone just with a lot of the digital marketing campaigns created I think one year it was 10.7 in um ARR pipeline with 2.7 million closed no bonus or anything mm-hmm. and gr- granted you know there, there's a lot of conversations a lot of arguments coming like well you're doing your job but um, if I'm not doing my job where where, do, where does all that come in I think that there should be some alignment where it, maybe it's not the same percentage or maybe when numbers get hit there's a bonus pool that gets yeah. divvied up between the, the team but I, I think that that definitely should that would definitely squash a lot of yeah. uh water cooler conversations and negative negative views from marketing to sales if something like that was set up
0: chris talked about um having a common calendar to um align sales and marketing in a common common objective so that, that was an interesting point he made i thought he talked a bit about um you know celebrations particularly in a in a remote environment and then he also talked about aligning incentives so were there anything any of those three that particularly stuck out stuck out for you
1: um i think aligning incentives is really a key point and you'll see now a lot more marketing leaders are paid on revenue um, and a lot more marketing teams are paid on revenue and closed revenue business as opposed to leads or bonuses or any other kind of KPI and I think that coming together of targets um, is absolutely fundamental on how you align sales and marketing so if you align people at the point where it means something to them how they're going to get paid um, that you know that's a really big behavior change um, in people so you know starting from that and then working back from that can almost be the same way and you see it with aligning other teams as well aligning direct sales teams with channel sales teams as soon as you take away the compensation argument between the two teams um, and people get paid on the deal regardless of where it was sourced um, a lot of those um, arguments go away so i think know paying everybody that's involved in sourcing the lead closing the lead delivering the lead is important because i think it's important to recognize as well that marketing isn't just top of funnel it's not just lead generation good marketing supports a deal throughout the whole life cycle of a sale through to advocacy through to you know helping the sales negotiations through to um, um, you know, having the technical conversations through to customer care and how the customer's treated after they've become a customer. So I think aligning marketing across all of those functions, um, all of those steps is, is really, really important. And I think that's one of the biggest ways organizations can help rebrand marketing into sales is to really help them understand how customers buy, what those steps are how sales influence those steps and how marketing influence those steps and then workshop together how how they can work better across each of those each of those journeys we spend a lot of our time um doing internal stakeholder interviews aligning different people internally to gather perspectives across different functions playing back to them what everybody thinks and then workshopping one common objective and I think it's that you know, what is your true north as a business? And how do we align all of the teams against that true north? That I think is the is the ultimate goal of why we're wanting to align.
0: Seth Steinman is VP of Marketing at Prevail, an encrypted email platform. He's been in B2B SaaS marketing for over 15 years, the last 10 of which have been with VC backed companies where he's led the marketing and growth teams
4: the solution to this will have to come from the top no matter what. And it should come from probably the CEO, whoever the joint owner of the sales and marketing and channel like issue is needs to um, yeah. Should, should be the one bringing this up. And yeah, I would suggest it as, as kind of like a, you know, maybe a book club of sorts, or if there's some kind of leadership meeting, you know, you spend the first five, 10 minutes talking about it. Um, and I do think it's that important and I have definitely been in companies where you have strong leaders who, um, you know, do have similar tactics, like, you know, books, especially that are, that are relevant to a problem to solve.
0: No, definitely. I mean, funnily enough, um, I actually, I got the audio book of radical candor. I'll be honest. I've, I've, I have i have have not got, got into it yet, but personally, do you have any experience with this book as being a useful, uh, book to share with, with, I send,
4: I send this to every new hire. On my team for the last like three companies I've been at.
0: Right. So you've got personal experience of kind of implementing this strategy of getting people to read a book. Maybe you could just share a few thoughts or experiences on on how. It, just talk us through the process and what the outcomes were.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's the standard in which I manage my teams. Um, so there's there's a few different components to it, but the most important is. That you care personally about the individuals, and then you can challenge directly. And it needs to be in that order. Um, but it is the best way that I've found to have the, that kind of open and clear communication uh, while still maintaining, you know, good personal relationships with, yeah. with the team. It doesn't really matter if they read the whole book. You know, a lot of these business books can really probably be a tenth of the length, um, even if you go and you know, have people pre-read and then you give them like a, you know, three page spark notes version of the book to start off the, um, you know, the workshop and then you, you go through it. Uh, I think that could provide a ton of value as well, but yeah, the in-person part, you know, if you're a good facilitator, you know, whoever the leader is, that's fine. But, you know, typically someone from HR or, or, you know, bringing in like an external facilitator can be really helpful too. Um, making it fun, having like fun elements is probably big. And that's part of that care personally, right. Building like personal, um, connections and, and building that trust is, is kind of probably the most important element to get out of that in-person workshop. There are absolutely workshops and activities that you can like find online related specifically to radical candor and, and how to talk about it. Um,
0: Right, so there's this, this, this playbooks that you can find on the internet that you just follow, yeah. brilliant. It was really interesting to hear that Seth literally uses this, this radical candor book um, as a, um, you know, as a strategic tool in, in every gig that he's involved in. What, what, what are your thoughts?
1: I had mixed opinions on this because oh, I, I loved it and I loved the idea of it. Um, but as somebody that was married to an IT salesperson for many years, and I was an IT marketing person, and there was some sales and marketing alignment conversations that that happened there, and he would come home every year or so from sales kickoff with a new book. And that book went on the shelf and never got read. So, when I first heard it, I thought, mm, nice idea, but how on earth are you going to get people to read that book? Um, but he then went on and said, you don't need to read the whole book because you can probably summarize it in three pages. And if you can summarize it in three pages for people um, and recognize that different people hear and learn differently. So maybe put it as a podcast, have it something to be read. Have it as a video to watch or have it as a workshop and then maybe really do some management workshopping to help people think about how to use the learnings from that book then 100 it's a great it's a great idea um but i think the concept of giving people a book and asking people to read it um, i don't read books out of pleasure anymore because i don't have time to read novels anymore so um i've got lots of books i'd like to read but do i get around to reading them no not really
0: yeah no i think i think to be fair seth was saying that you don't have to read the whole book yes exactly um,
1: yeah
0: he was also mentioning of course the um importance of having a good facilitator uh to you know to, to ensure that the, 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 you know it is workshopped properly and ultimately um i forget forget uh he, he was saying something along the lines of the um the ultimate objective is to build i think build the relationships with um with people and then be very you know the, the candor radical candor be very honest and straight talking with people because you've earned the right or you can get away with it without kind of emotionally upsetting them right and i think that's the core thing ultimately that he's trying to say is that if everyone can be Really direct and open and honest, then people understand other people's issues early on. People can empathise with each other, and as a result of that, they're going to, you know, they're going to, you know, it's that you're forming, storming, norming, and performing, isn't it? You can really accelerate that process, or perhaps make it far less, uh, you know, emotionally charged if if you approach if you approach this, you know, in the way perhaps that the book suggests. Mm-hmm. So um,
1: I think it's, I think it's a great way to get culture into the organisation as well. If if you're mm-hmm. giving a book in culture um that says we as an organization embrace honest and open conversations and this is how we do that whether people read the book or not you're sending that message so if you think about when you know new hires join an organization it's popular now to send a new hire kit with a water bottle and a t-shirt and some things for their desk because it's more remote working than than in the office working so to put something in there that has a culture message i think is a really good um um a really good thing to do because it supports the, the whole getting to know people's perspectives things that we've been talking about
0: brilliant sophie thank you very much um, some great thoughts and comments on the solutions that everyone has given uh, to address this um, challenge that many many organizations face around how to reposition marketing as a peer-to-peer strategic partner with sales or more generally just how to ensure that the sales and marketing team work together well um, and achieve their their objectives. So thank you so much, Sophie. And um could I just ask if um if anyone is interested in learning more about um, the Marketing Bee and, and your services, what's the best way to reach you?
1: Um, either on the website, which is the dot uh, com, as in the buzzy uh, buzzy animal, um or to email me Sophie S O P H Y at the MarketingBee.com.
0: Thanks for listening to the Enterprise Thought Leadership Podcast. If you found the episode valuable, please subscribe and share. You can find links to all the participants in the notes below, along with any useful resources we discussed. If you want to get in touch with me, my email is tim.b at techpros.io. That's B as in bond or bravo. Until next time, goodbye.